Perfect Stranglers contains graphic and explicit content suitable for mature listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to Perfect Stranglers. This is Kylie. And I'm Bree. And it's the final two episodes. And I don't <laughs> yes. want to... Listen, I know you can hear the smiles in our faces, but not to, <laughs> we're really excited to be done. <laughs> and not in a bad way. It's, uh, I can't believe we, like, I feel like I can't believe we did it. it yeah, like, it's almost like you know a I mean? graduating from high school kind of feeling. It's like senioritis, but like, I also, we fucking, like, this is gonna be like 90 episodes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a huge thing. Yeah, we made a huge commitment to this. Like, <laughs> I've committed more to this than I've committed to a lot in the last, like, three years. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I have to think of something else to commit to. Uh, I don't know. Nothing. I'll just commit to staying semi-sane and out of trouble, and that's that. Yeah. Seems like a good commitment. Mm-hmm. So... So before we hopped on here, I, okay, so one of our listeners, uh, her name is Ashley, aka Miss Ashley. She was one of Everly's teachers in school. And she sent me a video of Kevin from Backstreet Boys on tour, like now in 2022. (laughs) And I took one look at Kevin and maybe it was especially him with the long hair. Yes, you have to look at him with the long hair. And maybe I'm stupid, but... I feel like Kevin from the Backstreet Boys looks like a white Snoop Dogg. Uh, <laughs> uh okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. He does. Why does he look like that? <laughs> wow. dying over that (laughs) oh wow he does he does Uh, he's got like a kimono on in this photo that i'm looking at and like it's just yep like a snoop dog mixed with like a little bit of a rat but like more snoop dog it's the it's the i think it's the now i have to look up a picture of snoop dog you know what it is it's the very very sharp features like the very long or i guess snoop dogg doesn't have a narrow nose but it's just the cheekbones the mouth the jawline like yeah the only thing different is slenderness of the face kind of yes and like if you look at they both have different nose widths the nose is the only thing that's different but they look (laughs) so much alike they do um so fun little fact about kevin from Kevin Richardson. Is that his name, right? Yes. He's a wild looking man. He is yeah. just <clears throat> he he's unique used, looking. He used to um um play like a cast member at Disneyland. Disney World? Disneyland. I don't know which one, but he was um Aladdin for like meet and greets. Really? At at one point, yeah, before um before they were all famous as the Backstreet Boys. Now I'm looking this up. Oh my god. 
Wow, he makes a really good Aladdin. I've never actually looked up a picture. He does. Like, for a white man, he makes a good Aladdin. <laughs> we don't even touch on that, but holy shit. So, yeah. Um, That's what, that oh, was true. pressing. Yeah, that was the pressing oh thing God. that I really needed to tell you. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to have to go back and look at our pictures from Disney World. <gasps> Wouldn't you just die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the first time that I went to Disney World in, like, 90, I don't know, the early, early 90s. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at that. <laughs> wow. I just, like, how old is he? he got to be 50. He's got to be 50. He is one of the, the old, I think he might be the oldest Backstreet Boy, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, he's 50. Howie is 48, Brian is 42, Nick is, no, sorry, Howie's 48, Brian is 47, Nick is 42, and then we have AJ, right? Mm-hmm. McLean, age, he's the bad boy, 44. Yeah, he's definitely the old one. Not, <laughs> the like, old. 50, not like 50s old, but in their context, <laughs> they are. <laughs> right. Oh, Wow. Now I'm in like a Backstreet Boys like shitstorm. My therapist is obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. Oh my god! Like obsessed. <laughs> he funny. fucking loves the Backstreet Boys. And then I went in the other day. Oh, that's actually probably two weeks ago now. And I walk in. And he's like blasting Paramore, and I'm like, no BSB. And he's like, I've been on a really big Paramore kick lately. And I was like, you are a gem. You are a fucking gem. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I enjoy it. Have you ever uh, had cauliflower rice? No. I actually okay. haven't. Okay, so I've been trying to not be a piece of shit and eat healthy because mama's gained some weight and I'm not happy about it. Yeah. I just, like, haven't been going to the gym and stuff ever since, like, starting in, like, late February when Everly was sick, and then I was sick, then Everly, then I, I've just, like, been sick so much, and I haven't been to the gym since, like, February, March, which is totally unlike me, and I just feel mm -hmm. like a gross piece of shit. So I'm trying to eat better and not eat rice and all that stuff, because it's really not good for you. And um, I tried cauliflower rice, and I'm not mad at it, but you need a shit ton of sauce to make it taste good. Mm-hmm. And, like, the secret to cauliflower rice is you need to literally wring it out and get all of the liquid out. It's like tofu. You need to wring it out, get all of the liquid out, and then re-put in your liquid as, like, a seasoning, like soy sauce or buffalo sauce or whatever. Oh, okay. So it's a lot yeah. of kind of a preparation process? No, I literally just put it on a paper plate, microwave it for four minutes. When it comes out of the microwave, I put paper towel on it, press another plate on it, and it gets the water out. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I hmm. mean, and it's a it's a volume food, so there's not a lot of calories if you eat a shit ton right. of it and it fills you up. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been on this cauliflower rice chicken or tofu kick. Yeah. Hmm. I would try it. See, the, my thing with that type of thing is like I don't I don't know where to start. Do I buy it? Do I try and make it myself? Do I buy it already prepared? But if I do buy it already prepared, then like what if I hate it and I'm never going to eat it again and then I have this bag of it? 
I don't know. Literally just buy a small bag for like two bucks of cauliflower rice. And yeah, I literally spread it on a plate, microwave it because it comes frozen. I microwave it for four minutes or you can like saute it in a pan. And then when it comes out of the microwave, I lay paper towel on top of it, put another plate on top of it and smash it to get all of that liquid out. Mm -hmm. And then I always eat it. I'll do buffalo sauce or I will do um, like salsa and make like a a salsa or a taco bowl out of it. Mm -hmm. Or I'll do like chicken and like uh, teriyaki sauce. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't like cauliflower. I will not eat raw cauliflower. I don't like uh, steamed cauliflower. I do not like cauliflower. But I will eat riced cauliflower because the texture is different and you put enough shit in it, it tastes good. Does it smell different than cauliflower? Because cauliflower smells like farts. I don't get my house doesn't smell like a fart right now. Okay. And I went outside for a little bit and came back in and I did not smell (laughs) fart. Okay, but good. I also cooked. I also made garlic chicken with it, and so I smell oh, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like since it's already processed and broke broke down into smaller chunks, that kind of yeah. helps. Probably yeah. not, but in my mind, it does. Let's the farts out. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm looking at this I'm, as we're talking. I'm looking at these pictures of me and Everly baking baking cookies a couple Christmases uh-huh. ago, and I'm like, God, Cute. I would love a fucking cookie right now. <laughs> <laughs> I make these salted caramel. No, what do I make? It was Anthony's favorite cookie uh, back in the day. It's a apple cider cookie, and I put a caramel in it, and so it's Ooh. like a stuffed caramel apple cookie. Oh my god, that sounds it's, so good! I'll send you the recipe. It's kind of a finicky uh. recipe. It's kind of a finicky recipe, but it's really good. Yeah, that would be so good in like the fall. With, oh, like, it's amazing! Some, yeah, with like me- um some chai pumpkin spice shit. yeah so one time i like i don't like apple pie but i love pie crust but i was like my like fat kid mind was like what if so what i did is i made that cookie dough the salted car it, it, it's an apple cider you know the apple cider packets that you get to make apple cider with yes yeah that is what the dough is made out of that's how it's flavored Okay. So it's really good. So I made, it's basically a sugar cookie dough with that stuff in it, but I made just the cookie base, so the apple cider flavored cookie dough, and I used that cookie base as my pie crust, and I made a salted caramel apple cheesecake to put in Oh, that. shut up. <laughs> so it was salted oh caramel God. apple cheesecake, and then the crust was apple cider sugar cookie. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so fucking good. That sounds amazing. This is the oh, type shit. of stuff I think about all the time. Making, I think about making this stuff all the time and I don't do it because I would quite <laughs> literally be 400 pounds. Yeah. Like, I used to be 260. I've lived that life. Let's not do that again, Kylie. But also, like, I have such a sweet tooth. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. So I just, so I just don't bake because... Yeah. Because it's, if it's not around, then you can't. Then you don't eat, eat it. it. Yeah. And now that I'm in a smaller city, like I can't just order DoorDash for mm-hmm. Crumble or anything or Detroit Cookie Company. Like it's not here. So I feel like this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Cool, anyway, that well, well, that was probably our last Kylie's Food Corner. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. Oh, sad. <laughs> but you know what? Aww. At least. <laughs> At least they can look up a good recipe. They can. They can. But you know what? Is it a secret recipe? 
No, it's not. I have it on my Pinterest board. Oh, okay. I still use Pinterest because hashtag millennials. Um, but you know what? Today's person that we're doing has the name of a food in his name. Uh-huh. So we'll touch on that. Do you want to do uh, housekeeping? Sure. Okay. So here's what's going on, Stranglers. We are not going to be coming back for season three. Um, and I hope that's not a surprise at this point, but I'm so sorry if it is. Um, <clears throat> it is already too late to submit your, uh, true weird stories, but we still want to hear them. And what we would do if you send them to us is we would post them to our social media. So we still want to hear your weird, strange stories and you can send them to, um, our, uh, Facebook. You can send us a message Facebook, Instagram, and we also have uh, email, which is contact at perfectstranglers.com. Also, we want you to follow us on social media so that you can keep in touch with us. And uh, we are uh, keeping our social media. It's going to be up, and so will all of our episodes. They're going to remain up, so you can always go back and listen to us. And also, please take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you listen to. We would greatly appreciate it. And also, subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to us on, because you are not going to want to miss our finale of Perfect Stranglers. It's the final countdown. I should bust out. I should bust out my clarinet. So on those, okay. you remember those countdown shows on VH1? Yes, I fucking love VH1 back in Me the too. day. Yes, they still have those on YouTube. And that song, The Final Countdown by Europe, uh, was the, I believe it was the number one most terrible song ever or something like that. <laughs> I need to pull up some. I need, I feel like I need to have that stuff on in the background when I'm working. Oh, you love it. I, I can, I'll I send you a whole loved... bunch. I oh, yes, saved. please. Oh, I oh, have you do? all of them saved. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. I love it so much. I used to, lo- I used to live and die for those shows. Oh, me too. They had, like, the most unmetal moments in rock and roll history or something. Or, like, yes. the funniest moments in rock and roll history. Yes. Shit like that. It was so cool. Love oh, it. my God. Yes. Yeah, send me all of those. because I And then I'll send you a cookie recipe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're so old. <laughs> Okay, so today we're going to be doing a true crime deep cut. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for my last episode, and I didn't want to be—I didn't want it to be like an unheard of one, but I didn't want it to be one that everyone knows and everyone is like, <clears throat> "Oh yeah, that's true crime." Where if you ask someone on the street, "I do a true crime podcast," and they go, "Well, did you do Dahmer? Have you done BTK? Have you done the Hillside Strangler?" Like, I didn't want it to be one of those. I wanted it to be a deep cut where if you know, you fucking know. Yep. So we're going to be doing, I'm going to be doing Albert Fish. And this is, I, this is the first time I've ever put trigger warnings in the front of my, actually wrote down trigger warnings in the front of my episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a heavy one. It's a lot. It's gross. This happened in the late 1800s. And yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to, um, we're going to have to compartmentalize on this one. Yeah, yeah. 
take it for what it is. So, uh, Albert Fish. Let me zoom in because, you know, I live that zoom in life. How the fuck do I zoom in on this? There we go. <clears throat> okay. Trigger warnings are rape, rape of a child. Pretty much anything bad that you can ever imagine happening to a child happens in this. And that is your extreme warning of that. Um, Self-harm, torture, mutilation, consumption of bodily functions and cannibalism, and racist and ableist issues, we'll say. Okay. So, that's your warning. So, and I also have a research warning in front of this. Kind of like we did for um, Madame LaLaurie and a little bit of H.H. Holmes. But So this case happened in the late 1800s. A lot of my research pointed to the same exact articles over and over again, but a lot of those articles had like citation unreliable or citation needed or no citation. So it's not clear how much of this is rooted in like a black and white fact, but it's what we have to go on. I know a lot of this, a lot, some of this came from his trial and there's images from his trial um, and stuff like that, but some of like the the de- the general story is true, but some of the details is not quite as like rooted in fact. But I'm gonna tell you what I what I have. Okay. Okay. So his childhood, his name is Hamilton Howard Albert Fish. He was born on May 19th of 1870 in Washington D.C. to Randall and Ellen Fish. He was known as, as in his criminal career, <clears throat> he was known as the Gray Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, the Boogeyman, and then, obviously, just Albert fucking Fish. Um, <laughs> he once boasted that he had children in every state, which completely reminded me of Ludacris's I Got Hoes in Different Area Codes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I literally put that in my notes. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was in goes. Okay, fish, calm down. So at one time, he stated his number of victims was about 100, but it's not known whether he was referring to rapes or cannibalization or murder or if the statement was truthful at all, because you know how killers love to exaggerate literally everything. Right. <clears throat> So Fish's father was American of English ancestry and his mom was from he was his mom was Scots Irish American. His father was forty three years older than his mom and wow. seventy five and seventy five at his time of birth. Ew. I know. That's disgusting. I know. Like, 75-year-old man sperm. That is just, like, proof right there. There's a certain point when men really just need to not have kids. Yeah. Yuck. Like, Ugh. I know. It's disgusting. Um, Fish was the youngest child, and he had three living siblings, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. He had the nickname... <laughs> this is the weirdest fucking nickname I've ever heard. He had the nickname Ham and Eggs in an orphanage <laughs> where he spent much of his childhood... <laughs> I don't know why. Like, did he smell like it? Like, what was the deal? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Did someone throw ham and eggs and it literally and figuratively just stuck? Right. You know? I don't know. Um, <coughs> he obviously hated that nickname and he wanted to be called Albert after his uh, dead sibling to escape that awful nickname. So I'm like, 
So you were called Ham and Eggs, but you're like, oh, I had a sibling once, but they died. But I'm going to take that name as a nickname instead of being called my actual name of Hamilton. Uh huh. Hmm. Hamilton Fish sounds much better than Albert Fish. Does it? I mean, the last name Fish is unfortunate, but I don't know. <laughs> I I don't. I'm just you know I'm trying, Brie. <laughs> <Does it? laughs> <clears throat> Real quick here, uh, I have like a bunch of phlegm in my throat because I don't know why. But every time I have to clear my throat, one time I one time Everly had phlegm in her throat and she just went because <sighs> that's what I taught her to do. So every once in a while, you'll just hear her going <sighs> to clear phlegm in her throat. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, she's so aggressive in every aspect of her life, and I adore it. <sighs> anyway, so uh, Ham and Egg's family had a history of mental illness. However, I'm not sure if this was his blood relatives or a family. I was, I was trying to figure out the orphanage situation, and we'll kind of touch on it later, but I'm not sure if this mental Ill- illness issue is blood relatives or a family that he may have had for a little bit in his orphanage or a mix. We're just going to call it blood because it was enough for the research to be like, he obviously has a history. Mm-hmm. Um, so his uncle suffered from mania. One of his brothers was confined in a state mental hospital. His sister Annie was diagnosed with mental affliction. Three other relatives were diagnosed with mental illness, and his mother had oral and visual hallucinations. So, she had like, A-U-R-A-L, like an aura, oral. Oh, okay. Aura, you know, like an aura, not oral, but oral, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. My Wisconsin accent is struggling with that word. <laughs> like, okay, so like, like when you get a migraine and you see an aura. Yeah. Yeah. Got but it. But say, say oral. It's, you sound like from Boston saying, hey, give me oral. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not? That's the first sentence that came to my mind. <laughs> Do you not, though? Your cousin from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> oral. Oral. <laughs> God, who decided to give me a fucking microphone? Anyway, so <laughs> Fish's father, Randall, was a riverboat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Whew. Fish's father, Randall, was a riverboat captain, and by 1870, he was a fertilizer manufacturer. So I don't know how you go from fish to shit, but he did. Uh, the congressional cemetery records show that his di- his dad died on o- October 16th of 1875. He was buried in October 19th of se- 1875. Um, Albert's mom then put her son into St. Joseph's Orphanage in Washington, uh, D.C., where he was frequently abused. So <clears throat> he was living with his blood family. Dad died. She put him in an orphanage. And then, I- and then he got out of that orphanage after his mom got on her feet again oh okay basically so i don't know if he had a family while he was at the orphanage like he got out for a little bit had some family who had some mental issues that he kind of like learned from not really sure how that went 
But Fish began, so he was abused while he was in this orphanage. Fish began to enjoy the physical pain that the beatings brought on to him. Um, he said of his time in the orphanage, quote, I was there till I was nearly nine, and that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. So by 1880, Fish's mom had a, a regular job. It was a government job, and so she was able to remove Fish from the orphanage at that point. And then by 1882, he was 12 years old, and he began to have a relationship with a telegraph boy. So this young boy introduced Fish to things like, there's going to be a lot of words I can't pronounce in here, urolagnia, urolagnia, which is drinking urine, oh. and coprophagia, which is eating feces. Hmm compartmentalized darlings compartmentalized so fish began visiting public baths where he could watch the other young boys undress and spent a lot of his weekends just like on these visits watching young boys his age and younger just get naked in the bathhouse so throughout his life he would write really like really obscene letters to women whose names he got from classifieds like in the advertisements you know like in the newspapers he was a young boy writing just obscene letters to them like this, wow. this, this human being had a potty mouth, and not mm-hmm. in like a, like a, a very derogatory, crude mouth. Mm-hmm. Um. So by nineteen or sorry, eighteen ninety, he was twenty years old. Fish arrived in New York City, and he said at that point he became he became a prostitute, prostitute, and he began raping young boys. So in eighteen ninety eight, when he was twenty eight years old, his mom arranged a marriage for him with Anna Mary Hoffman, who was nine years younger than him. So these two had six kids together: Albert, Ew. Aunt, mm-hmm. Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry. So throughout the year of 1898, Fish worked also as a house painter. He also continued molesting children during this, mostly boys younger than the age of six. He later recounted an incident where um, one of his male quote-unquote lovers took him to a waxworks museum where Fish was completely fascinated by the bisection of a penis. And after that, he became obsessed with sexual mutilation. In 1903, he was arrested for grand larceny. He was convicted and incarcerated at Sing Sing Correctional Facility in New York City. So really, this guy's fucked up from the beginning. Essentially. Like, I feel like, I feel like this is, uh, we always do the nature versus nurture debate. I feel like this is like two thirds nature, one third nurture. Mm -hmm. Not a ton is known about his his upbringing, but I can bet that a family with many kids in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds didn't have a, a great upbringing, especially with all yeah. of the mental health issues. But it sounds like all those mental health issues, he's probably born with. He's probably born a little bit fucked up. Yeah, you know. So around nineteen ten, when he was working in Wilmington, Delaware, Fish met a nineteen year old man named Thomas Kedden. So he took Kedden to where he was staying, and the two began a sadomasochistic relationship. It's not really clear or not if Fish forced Kaden to do the things that they did, um, or if Kaden was gave consent. But in his confession, he implies that the man was, quote, intellectually disabled. So he likely oh. did not give consent for any yeah, of this to happen. Yeah, that's, that's not good. 
Yep. So after 10 days, Fish took Kedden to an old farmhouse where he began to torture him. The torture took place over the span of about two weeks, and Fish eventually tied Kedden up um, and cut off half his penis. And Fish said of that, I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. Oh, my God. That must have been horrible. Mm -hmm. So he originally intended to kill Kedden, cut up his body, take it home. But he was scared that, like, the hot weather in Delaware um, at this time would draw attention to him. So instead, Fish poured peroxide over his half-chopped-off dick, wrapped Ah! it in a... That wrapped it in a Vaseline-covered handkerchief, left a $10 bill, kissed Ketting goodbye, and just left. Oh, Fish my God. Said, Fish said he took the first train I could to get back home and never heard of what became of him or tried to find out. Oh, my God. Ugh. I don't know if this man lived, if he died, who found him, if he was ever found. I know nothing. Wow. Except for this poor man... Was hung, chopped, dick stuffed with Vaseline, wrapped with a handkerchief, gave a 10, and fish hopped out of there. Wow. Um, I'm just thinking about the risk of infection. Also, what <laughs> happens the next time that you have to pee? What happens if you what, have to, once you have to pee when your oh, half of your dick is chopped off? I mean, the, 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 uh, urethra? Mm-hmm. Is that that's the tube? That's what the tube is called, right? Yeah, yeah that's still there. It's yeah. probably mangled. Yeah, you're gonna get pee on your wound. Yes, yes, yes. Your God. face, right? Yeah. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh, this gets worse. <laughs> I left out some of like the kid stuff of what he exactly did to the kids. I left that uh-huh. out because I just can't. Yeah, yeah. Which we talked about because I'm like I'm not gonna do that. It's too much even for this. Um, in, so then in, in January, 1917, Fish's wife left him for John Staub, a handyman who boarded with, um, the Fish family. Uh, Fish then had to raise his children as a single parent. And I'm like, unique for a man to raise the kids. Back in the day, the woman just bounced apparently. Uh, I don't know if she knew what he was doing. No idea, but obviously she felt like she needed to leave with this man and well, leave the kids with him. I'm sure he gave at least some indication that he was kind of a weirdo at some point. I mean, he just like looked like a weirdo. I'm gonna be completely honest. Like he, because like looks she didn't creepy. choose him. It no, was an arranged marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, he then had to raise his kids as a single parent. Um, After he got arrested and after this arrest, Fish told a newspaper that when his wife left him, she took nearly every possession the family owed. I think this arrest was for the grand larceny and stuff previously. I couldn't find another arrest for him, but he was also in and out of crime. So there could be some like small petty arrests that aren't necessarily listed. Um, Yeah. But after his arrest, Fish told a newspaper that when his wife left him, she took nearly every possession the family owed, and he began to have auditory hallucinations. He once wrapped himself in a carpet, saying that he was following the instructions of John the Apostle. Oh. Wow. So this this gets religious, mm. just so we're clear. This That's... turns into a religious thing. 
Yeah, that's never good. No. Nope, it's not. But here we are. Um, it was about this time that Fish began to indulge himself in a little a little dabbling of self-harm. Um, he would embed needles into his groin and his abdomen. And that's the picture that I sent you guys in the Slack. Uh, if you listeners want to go ahead and look up Albert Fish pelvis, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's pretty so, awful. And then, so he just left him there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he just stuck the needles in and just left him. In his wow. 75-year-old old ass nastiest body yuck um after his arrest his big arrest um x-rays revealed that he had at least 29 needles lodged into his pelvic region um he also hit himself repeatedly with a nail studded paddle he inserted wool doused with lighter fluid into his ass and set it on fire he shoved that into his butthole and lit her up like the 4th of July. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That's extreme. Yo, this man liked some pain and not in a good way. Like, he would have been really good at jackass. He really would have. He was the original <laughs> jackass in like a pain <laughs> sense. In a pain <laughs> sense, yes. He had a... Yeah. He like... Picture, you know, like the really big boar bristle paddle brushes that are square? Mm -hmm. He had one of those with nails sticking out of them. He would just spank his ass with it. Jeez. Yep. While Fish was never thought to have physically attacked or abused his kids, he did encourage them and their friends to paddle his butt with the same nail-studded paddle he used about, like, on himself. So imagine going over to your friend's (laughs) house and you have to spank your friend's dad's ass with a nail paddle. That wouldn't be my friend anymore, and I would never go over there ever again. I would tell my mom so fast. Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) I would, like, tell everyone so fast. (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, But you know what? I was thinking about that, though. I wonder if he, like, threatened the kids to not say anything. Yeah, maybe. And they felt like they couldn't. Yeah. Uh, Like, they were too scared to say something, because I could see that, too. That's even worse. Mm-hmm. That's probably was the case because he was just a terrible person. Just, just listen. We're going out with a bang with Perfect Stranglers. This one in our next episode, our peak. Yeah, this is bad. Um. So yeah, he had his friends, their friends, paddle his butt with the same nail studded paddle. I don't know if they ever lit his ass on fire or watched it or watched the needle situation. But yeah. yeah. Um. He no, that had also- to hurt. Like every time he moved around they had to hurt with like needles like are stuck inside of him see i was thinking about this you know how some people just can't feel pain like they have there's a disease where you can't feel pain yeah i'm almost wondering if he did that to like try and feel something and he truly couldn't like feel pain because he had a lot of other stuff going on too or he just had a really high pain tolerance Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because he liked pain And then there's the religious aspect of it where if you get so ingrained into something where you're just, you are, you have such conviction on it, your mind can do crazy things. Yeah. Like make you not feel something if you feel like your God is making you do something. Yeah. So I don't know what the deal was, but yeah. Um, He also, around this time, developed a growing obsession with cannibalism. 
He a lot of times prepared himself dinner consisting solely of raw meat, and sometimes he served it to his kids. Oh. And so that the serving it to his kids part was in a lot of articles, but it was never cited. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's safe to say he probably at least ate ate human at the ate a little bit of long pig at the dinner table. Maybe, you know? yeah, probably did. So in about 1919, like things escalated. So now, like the murder happens, so a little bit more of a murder because we don't know if that other guy died. Penis chopped off. We don't know if he died. We're assuming he did. Um, um, in about 1919, Fish stabbed an intellectually disabled boy in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Um, he chose people that were either mentally handicapped or African American as his victims. His uh, explanation on that was he assumed that these people would not be missed when they're killed. Oh my God. I know. Wow. I know. I, I feel really uncomfortable like writing that and saying that, but that was his explanation as to why he went after those people. I feel more uncomfortable saying that than saying he put wool in his ass and lit it on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. But that was his um, victim of choice. He later uh, claimed that he occasionally paid boys to get other kids for him. So he would like pay a boy and be like, hey, you go get me other kids and bring a pe- like a uh, a pimp. Is that a pimp? Is that what a pimp does? No, it's like a it's like, no, you know, it's like the fence. It's like a criminal, like the fence. You know, you pay someone mm-hmm. to go get something. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like the fall guy. Okay. Yep, yep. So Fish later, um, <clears throat> he tortured, mutilated, and murdered young children with his quote-unquote implements of hell, which included a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small handsaw, among other, other things. On July 11th, 1924, Fish found eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her fa- parents' farm on Staten Island in New York. So he offered this little girl money to come and help him look for rhubarb. Uh, she was about to leave the farm when her mom chased Fish away. So Fish left, but he returned later to the Keel's barn where he tried to sleep, but was then discovered by Beatrice's father and forced to leave again. Three days later, Fish ended up killing a man by the name of Francis McDonnell, also on Staten Island. And then during 1924, Fish, who was suffering from psychosis, he was 54 years old at this point, he felt that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate children. So he was like, I'm going to do more of that. Ugh. So there were times there were times when people around and we'll kind of get to who has seen him, people who would see him and chase him away and get him to not come back. Typically when an adult was involved, mm-hmm. if there was an adult there, he typically wouldn't come back. But if it was just a kid, he would do what he was going to do. So short, he adopted um, the big one is Grace Bud. That's like the big abduction that he did. So shortly before his abduction of Grace Bud, Fish attempted to test his quote-unquote implements of hell on a child he had been molesting named Cyril Quinn. Uh, Quinn and his friend were playing box ball, whatever that is, on a sidewalk when Fish <laughs> asked them if they'd eaten lunch. Maybe and that's like Foursquare. They're like, is it Foursquare? Maybe. Okay. I'm just guessing. So when the boys were like, no, we're hungry, we haven't eaten, he invited them back. <sighs> To his apartment, excuse me, for sandwiches. So while the two boys were wrestling on his bed, 
um, they accidentally dislodged the mattress, like off of like the box spring area that it was on. And underneath, they saw a knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. They freaked the fuck out and ran out of the apartment. Which, like, good boys. Yeah. Good boys. Um, so, during this time, Fish remarried in 1930. So, um, he, on February 6, 1930, in Waterloo, New York, he married Estella Wilcox, but divorced after only a week. However, he was still married to the other woman, still. So, like, that's an issue. They never got right. divorced. Um, Fish was arrested on May 30th, or Fish was arrested in May of 1930 for sending an obscene letter to a woman who answered an advertisement for an for a maid. Following that arrest and one in 1931, he was then sent to Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital for observation. <clears throat> so, on. May 25th, so that the the remarrying happened in 1930. We're going to backtrack a couple years. On May 25th of 1928, Fish saw a classified ad in um in the newspaper, in the Sunday edition of the New York World that read Young Man 18 Wishes Position in Country, Edward Budd 406 West 15th Street, which is fucking crazy to me that you just put your address in, but I just a different time, I know, I just like can't get over it. Yeah. <clears throat> On May 28th, Fish was 58 years old in 1928. Uh, he visited the Budd family in Manhattan under the pretense of hiring Edward to get him into the country. He later confessed that what he actually had planned to do was to um, introduce himself, or sorry, he confessed that he planned to tie up Edward, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed to death. So when Fish went to this farm to say, hey, I want to hire you, Edward, he introduced himself as Frank Howard, a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. He was like, I want to hire Bud and his friend Willie, and said that he would send them, um, send for them in a few days. So Fish failed to do what he said he was going to do and show up, but he sent a telegram to the Bud family apologizing um, and set a later date to show up. So when Fish finally returned to this farm, he met Edward's young, younger sister, a 10-year-old Grace Bud. He apparently changed his victim from Edward to Grace um, and quickly made up a story about having to attend his niece's birthday party. And Grace is like, I love this idea. I want to go to this party with you, old man. Mm-hmm. So Grace convinced the parents, Delia Flanagan and Albert Bud the first, um, to let Grace accompany him to the party that evening. This ten-year-old was sent to accompany this man to a party. Yeah. And the elder, um, so Albert Bud, the dad, was a porter for the U.S. Equitable Life Assurance Society. Um, Grace also had a younger sister, Beatrice. So there's two Be- different Beatrices in the story. Um, and she had two older brothers, Edward and George, and a younger brother, Albert Bud II. So this is a big family. They all knew what was happening. Grace left with fish that day, but uh, never returned. So the after it was seen that she was not going to return, police ended up arresting 66-year-old Superintendent Charles Edward Pope on September 5th of 1930 as a suspect in Grace's disappearance. So this is two years later. So Albert did his thing in 1928. It took two years for them to actually find a lead and find someone to arrest. During this time, we go back to that marriage where he remarried and all of that stuff. 
So, um, Superintendent Intendant, uh, Charles Edward Pope was arrested September 5th, 1930 as a suspect in Grace's disappearance. Um, he was actually accused by his estranged wife and he spent 108 days in jail between his arrest and trial on December 22nd, 1930. And he was eventually found not guilty. Four years later, so 28 to 930, 28 to 930, 930. So this is from 28 to 1934, November of 34, an anonymous letter was sent to Grace's parents, which ultimately led to um, Albert Fish. So Mrs. Budd was illiterate and couldn't read the letter herself, so she had her son read it to her. You can find this letter. It is a horrific, it is probably the worst thing I've ever read. Um, you can find the unaltered letter as all of Fish's um, spelling mistakes, errors, all of that stuff. You can find it. I'm not going to read it because it's fucking awful. But it basically tells the story of how Fish was first convinced to eat human flesh and how he decided to murder and mutilate and consume Grace Bud. Mm-hmm. It's awful. I've read this letter and he just describes things in detail and how much he enjoyed it and it's pretty sick yes it's terrible um so police got this letter they investigated it uh there was a story in there concerning a captain davis and the quote-unquote famine in hong kong um telling how he decided to try human flesh for the first time that couldn't be verified um but the part of the letter concerning the murder of grace was found to be accurate in its description of the kidnapping and subsequent events um although it's impossible to confirm whether or not fish actually ate parts of grace's body however it's assumed he did because he was into cannibalism and like why not um so the letter to Grace's family was delivered in an envelope that had small, a small um, emblem on it with the letters NYPCBA, which stood for the New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. Oh. So a janitor at that company told the police that he had taken some stationery home but left it at his rooming house um, on 200 East 52nd Street when he moved out. So he's like, yeah, I had this stuff, but I like left it there. And the landlady of the rooming house said that Fish checked out of that room a few days earlier. So Fish likely took that letterhead that was just found in his apartment or room or whatever and used it. She said that Fish's son sent him money, or sorry, she said that Fish's son sent him money and he asked her to hold it, hold his next check for him. So William F. King was the chief investigator for all of this. He waited outside of the room until Fish returned. Fish agreed. He got caught. Fish agreed to go to the police headquarters for questioning. He then um, took out a razor blade. The policeman did. And, or sorry, Fish took out a razor blade. Uh, The policeman, King, disarmed Fish and took him to the police headquarters. So Fish knew he was guilty. He knew he was caught when he took out that razor blade. Yeah. Um, Fish made no attempt to deny the murder of Grace Budd, saying that he meant to go to the house to kill Grace's brother, Edward, instead. He said it never even entered his head to rape the girl, Grace, but he later claimed um, to his attorney that that while kneeling on Grace's chest and strangling her, he did have two involuntary ejaculations. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's like BTK. BTK did that shit. Gross. 
So this information was used at trial to make the claim that the kidnapping was sexually motivated, thus avoiding any mention of cannibalism. Um, it did hold true that Grace, Grace was never raped, so he never really did never did anything sexual to her body. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is he actually said Grace died a virgin in his letter, which is creepy. Yeah. I that. So there are a few <coughs> other other crimes that happened to him or happened that he did. Uh Francis McDonald, which was that that first um that girl that we mentioned. I believe I called it her a boy, but she was a girl. So during the night of July 14th, 1924, between um, the Grace thing and him seeing Beatrice at that house, all that stuff, we had Frances McDonald. She was reported missing by the parents. He failed. Um, I don't know why I have Frances as a, a girl. Frances is a boy, you guys. I don't know why I keep saying girl. Uh, Francis McDonald was reported missing by his parents. He failed to return home after playing catch with his friends in um, a neighborhood in Staten Island. So there was a huge search organized for his body. His body was eventually found, and it was found hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home. Uh. This time, he was sexually assaulted and then strangled by his suspenders. Oh, my God. Which is, yeah, really personal. Um, according to an autopsy, McDonald had also suffered extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen. His left hamstring had almost would, was almost entirely stripped of its flesh. Ew. Yeah. So Fish refused to claim responsibility for this, but he did later state that he intended to castrate the boy, but fled when he heard someone approaching the area. So McDonald's friends told the police that he was taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. A neighbor also told the police that they deserved the they observed the boy with a similar looking man walking along a grassy path into the nearby woods. And nobody said anything. They just yeah. like, yep, this kid's freaking out with his old man. Bye. So Francis's mom, Anna McDonald, said that she saw the same man earlier that day, obviously not with her kid. Um, she told the reporters he came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself, making weird motions with his hands. She said, I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray, hence the nickname, the gray man. Hmm. So the McDonald murder remained unsolved until the murder of Grace Budd, when several eyewitnesses, um, among them was Staten Island family, Hans Kiel, that from the Kiel family that he had went to and then got said, hey, no, you're leaving. Uh, he positively ID'd Albert Fish as the weirdo that was around Port Richmond on the day of the McConnell McDonald's disappearance. Um, so then it was announced that um, he was going to be indicted for the boy's murder. So at first, Fish denied these charges, but it was on March of 1935 after the conclusion of his trial for Grace Budd and his confession of uh, killing of Bill Gaffney, which we'll get to, um, that Fish confirmed the investigators that he did also rape and murder McDonnell. So when the McDonnell confession was made public, the New York Daily Mirror wrote um, the disclosure that him saying this basically solidified him as the most vicious child slayer in criminal history. So then we have Billy Gaffney. So on February 11th, um, 1927, three, three-year-old Billy Beaton. Oh my God. He's three. I know. I know. This is like a tough case. We're going to compartmentalize this when we're done and not talk about it ever again. 
Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to watch Shit's Creek after this. So three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother were playing in the apartment hallway in Brooklyn with four-year-old Billy Gaffney. So we have Billy Beaton, who's three, Billy Gaffney, who's four. When the 12-year-old left for his apartment, both younger boys disappeared. Beaton, the three-year-old, was found later on the roof of the apartments. He was alive. Um, when this three-year-old was asked what happened to Gaffney, Beaton just said, the boogeyman took him. Gaffney's body was never recovered, the four-year-old. So initially, there was another serial killer roaming the streets named Peter Kudzanowski. Um, he was a suspect in Gaffney's murder, but then Joseph Meehan, a motorman, whatever a motorman is, on a Brooklyn <laughs> trolley saw a picture of fish in a newspaper and ID'd him as the old man who he saw um, on February 11th of 1927, the day that the boys went missing. Um, so the old man had been trying to quiet a little boy sitting with him on the trolley. So the boy, he's, um, this guy said the boy wasn't wearing a jacket. He was crying for his mom and he was dragged by the man on and off the trolley. Beaton's Mm -hmm. description of the boogeyman matched that of fish being all gray, old mustache, that type of thing. So police matched the description of the child to Gaffney. Detectives of the Manhattan Missing Persons Bureau were able to establish that Fish was employed as a house painter by Brooklyn Real Estate Company in February of 1927, and that on the day of Gaffney's disappearance, he was working at a location a few miles from where the boy was abducted. Fish claimed the following in a letter to his attorney about this whole situation. He said, and this is bad and I'm sorry. Not like I did it, but I'm still sorry. So he said, I brought him to the Riker Ave dumps. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the G boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty, dirty rag that I picked out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took the trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked home from there. Insert all of the torture that I'm not going to mention. He said... And I'm taking out I'm taking out the bad parts and I'm still reading this for like an idea of how fucking awful this is. He said, I stuck the knife in his belly, held my mouth to his body, and drank his blood. Ew. He then goes into detail of how he took apart the corpse for meat. Um then he said this I put in sacks and waved with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into pools of slimy water you will see all along the road in North Beach. The water is three to four feet deep four feet deep. They all sank at once. I came home with my meat. I had the front of his body I like best. His monkey and peewees and his behind to roast in the oven as I eat. I made a stew out of various parts of his stomach and I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, and salt and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off the monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put them in the oven. Then I picked four onions when meat had roasted about a quarter of an hour. I poured about half a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. It's a recipe. Yes, it's a recipe. I never ate any roast that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, and his peewees I could not chew. I threw them in the toilet. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. 
So he essentially wrote down a recipe for roast. <laughs> I don't like that. I like I'm never eating roast again. Not like I right? eat roast on the daily, but like I don't want it. <laughs> I will never eat a rump roast again. I tell you that much. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. So uh, Gaffney's mom, Elizabeth, visited Fish and Sing Sing prison um, accompanied by. So he'd been in and out of Sing Sing a few times now. Um, she was accompanied by Detective King and two other men. She wanted to ask him about her son's death, but Fish just would not speak to her. So Fish began to cry frantically and asked to be left alone. And after about two hours of asking him questions through his lawyer, um, James Dempsey was his no- lawyer, Miss Miss Gaffney just gave up. She allegedly is still or was still unconvinced that Fish actually killed her son. Like she didn't believe it. She didn't want to believe it. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so Albert Fish's trial for the murder of Grace Budd began March 11th of 1935 in White Plains, New York. The judge was Frederick P. Close um, and Westchester County Chief Assistant District Attorney Albert F. Gallagher was the prosecuting attorney. So Gallagher was the prosecutor. Uh, Fish's defense was James Dempsey. So Dempsey is his attorney. Um, He was a former prosecutor and the one-time mayor of Peekskill, New York. So the trial lasted 10 days. Fish pled insanity um, and claimed to have heard voices from God telling him to kill children. So they brought in many psychiatrists to testify about Fish's sexual fetishes. Here is the list of sexual fetishes that he... I googled each one of these. (laughs) You're not ready. It's a lot. Okay. Some, a few of them we know, but we're still going to read the definition. Sadism, the tendency to derive pleasure, especially sexual gratification, from inflicting pain, suffering, or humiliation on others. Masochism, the tendency to derive pleasure, especially sexual gratification, from one's own pain or humiliation. Flagellation, flogging or beating either as a religious discipline or for sexual gratification. Exhibitionism, extravagant behavior that is intended to attract attention to oneself. Voyeurism, the practice of gaining sexual pleasure from watching others when they are naked or engaging in sexual activity. Peakerism, the the assumed to be a, so this is assumed to be a rare sexual paraphiliac disorder. Peakerism is the sexual gratification yielded from the use of knives and sharp objects to pierce, stab, or slash the skin. Although biting is also a recognized form of peakerism made popular by Fish. Um, so he kind of like wrote the book on this where it was now, okay, he gets off on that. We're going to make this a thing. Mm-hmm. So if you Google Google it, they'll, if you literally Google peakerism, you will see the picture of his pelvis. Mm. So... Like, biting is common in sex. Like, that's that's a thing. That's a, that's a fairly common thing. But not a lot of people are biting so hard that they're biting chunks out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a little less uncommon. Uh, cannibalism is the eating of human flesh by humans. It's also called anthropophagy. Uh, then we have coprophagia, which we talked about, which is eating feces. Urophilia. 
or, or, or urolagnia, which you talked about, uh, sexual gratification or sexual excitement with a sight or thought of urine or urination also um, may refer to just getting off by going pee. Um, <laughs> then we have hematology. God, these are hard. Hematologia, hematologia, uh, sexual fetish for blood, which evokes arousal when present on the fetishes fetishist's sexual partner, especially if nude. It is often accompanied by licking or drinking blood through bloodletting or biting. We have pedophilia, which we all know what pedophilia is, uh, necrophilia, sexual intercourse, or even an attraction to corpses. Like if you see a corpse and you're like, "Damn, that's fine," like. You're a necrophile. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you are. Sorry. Um, and then we have, oh, this is the worst one, I think. Infibulation. 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 I was thinking of, def- of defibrillator, but infibulation. Yeah. Uh, the practice of of exercising the clitoris and labia of a girl or woman and stitching together the edges of the vulva to prevent sexual intercourse. It is traditional in some Northeastern African cultures, but it's highly controversial. So basically, um, what do you do to a young boy? Circumcision. It's female female circumcision. circumcision. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So those are some of his fetishes that were brought up in court of his sexual deviancies. Wow. So his lawyer, Dempsey, um, in his summation, uh, noted that fish was a psychiatric phenomenon and that nowhere in legal or medical records was there another individual who possessed so many sexual abnormalities. And I feel like that still holds true because that's fucking insane. Um, The defense's expert witness was Frederick Wortham. He was a psychiatrist with, he had an emphasis on child development. Um, He conducted psychiatric examinations um, for the New York criminal courts. So during two days of his testimony, Wortham explained Fish's obsession with religion and specifically his um, obsession with the story of Abram and Isaac, which is Genesis 22.1 through 24. Wortham said that Fish believed that similarly, quote-unquote, sacrificing a boy would be penance for his own sins and that even if the act itself was wrong, Angels would prevent it if God did not approve. So divine intervention. You don't want me to kill these people? I won't kill them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So Fish attempted the sacrifice once uh, before, but that was halted because a car drove past when he was trying to sacrifice someone. Um, Edward Budd was his next intended victim, but we now know that he ended up taking Grace instead because I guess Edward was a lot bigger than he expected him to be. And although Grace was a female, it is believed that Fish perceived her to be a boy because he needed a boy for this sacrifice. So Wortham then detailed Fish's cannibalism tendencies. Um, he, In Fish's mind, he associated cannibalism with communion. And then the last question that Dempsey asked Wortham, this question was 15,000 words long. This one question was 15,000 words long. I'm not going to read it. Um, But this question detailed Fish's life and ended with asking how the doctor considered his mental condition based on his life. What Wortham said to this 15,000 word question was, he is insane. That was his answer. 
Yeah. So um, during the cross-examination from Gallagher, the prosecutor, uh, to Wortham, he asked Wortham whether Fish knew the difference between right and wrong. He responded that he did know, but that it was a perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sin, atonement, and religion, and thus was a, quote, insane knowledge. The defense called two more psychiatrics, psychiatrists, psychiatrics up to support what Wortham had said about him being insane. So the first of four rebuttal witnesses was uh, this guy named Minus Gregory. He was a former manager of a psychiatric hospital where uh, Fish was treated in the 30s. Um, he testified that Fish was abnormal but sane. Um, then they're like, wait a second, he eats shit, he drinks urine, and he's into pedophilia. Do you consider that sane? And they basically said, I mean, <laughs> they said he was not mentally sick and that those were common perversion, common perversions that were socially perfectly all right. And that was fish was, quote unquote, no different from millions of other people. And then they went on to say that eating poop, drinking pee and pedophilia was some very prominent, was very um, prominent in people who were successful and there were many many people who suffered the same perversions and that's why he's not insane the prosecutor got that out of these people yeah. i don't know about that yeah that doesn't happen i mean so um the next witness i don't was know that psychi- that that means that he is not i don't think that that means he's not insane no no I, absolutely not like i think because i think he is not insane because normally insane people if they commit crimes they don't try to hide things and cover them up because they don't realize that they can get in trouble for it if you're hiding something because you know you can get in trouble for it you're not insane like that guy that like when he ran off when people were coming when he was you know trying to do all his fuckery that proves that he knows what he's doing is wrong exactly yeah 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 so then they brought up a bunch of different like um psychiatric uh people in the psychiatric world and they all said yes what he's doing is insane he knows he's doing it but his thought process is insane and then some of them were like but normal people do this and they're like no so the defense people the people on the prosecution were like his insanity is actually saying normal people eat shit and like to fuck children. well the other people are like no this ain't fucking normal yeah that ain't right so, um, Charles Lambert, there was a, a guy that came up, uh, his name was Charles Lambert. He testified that eating poop was a common practice that, um, and that religious cannibalism may be psychopathic, but was a matter of taste and not evidence of a psychosis. Okay. Yes. Um, um when asked whether fish causing himself pain in, was indi- indicative of a mental condition, um, a psychi- uh, physician at a mental hospital said that is not masochism and he was only punishing himself to get sexual gratification. So they're just like proving the point. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what that is. Yeah. But are those perversions indicative of someone who is insane or is he sane and just into weird shit? I don't think kinks have anything to do with being sane or insane. No. And like, like, yes, there are very weird kinks but like there's a range of normal and if your partner is 
of age and consenting, then there's probably nothing wrong with it. But if you're hurting somebody, uh, like, and they don't want to be hurt or an unwilling victim. Yes. That's, that's, that's way different. That's way different. You gotta t- yes, you got to take that in context. Like, he didn't just do this shit. He killed people and tortured people. Yeah. You know? It was um, not consensual. So, yeah. So there was another defense witness, Mary Nichols, who was Fish's se- 17-year-old stepdaughter. She described how Fish taught her and her brothers and sisters several games involving, um, she said, quote unquote, overtones of masochism and child molestation. Which mm-hmm. is so fucking weird. So the jurors heard this. They're like, we don't think Fish is insane. They doubted he was insane, but ultimately one later explained that they felt he should be executed. Or sorry, none of the jurors doubted that Fish was insane. They're like, yeah, this man is insane. Like a normal person, if he pleaded insanity, he'd be sent to the hospital. But they're like, nah, we're still going to say he's not sane. Or we're still going to say that he's sane so that he gets killed. So that's the only mm-hmm. reason that they said he was he was sane so that he would get executed. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. So um they officially said that he is sane and guilty. The judge sentenced Fish to death by electrocution. So he arrived in prison in March of thirty five, in prison March of thirty five, was executed January sixteenth of nineteen thirty six in the electric chair in Sing Sing Correctional Facility. Um, it took him three minutes to die and took him he what? He was three minutes to die. Oh, he okay. entered the chamber at 1106 PM and it was dead three minutes later. He was buried at that cemetery. Um, he actually helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body. Oh my God. He wanted it. Yeah. Ew. He, what? He wanted the pain. Holy shit. What the hell, dude? Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. His last words were reportedly, I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> oh, sure. And so one witness said it took two jolts before Fish died. There was a rumor that the apparatus that was like on his body short-circuited because of all of the needles inserted into his body. Yeah. Um, so that was later like disproved. That's not what happened. That's how it, he died in a normal fashion. So, um, so at a meeting, the huh? the electricity was going for three minutes. Is it? I don't. I've never looked that I up. I don't know guess. if electricity goes for three minutes or if it's like a jolt they, and then your body slowly dies. Right. So what? Yeah. So the rumors. It said the rumors regarding that was untrue. He died in the same fashion and time as any others in the electric chair. So. Uh, after this, Fish's lawyer, James Dempsey, went outside. There was a shit ton of reporters out there, and they were all asking, you know, what's his final statement? So Fish's final statement was pages upon pages of handwritten notes that he Fish wrote right before his death. Um, journalists asked what was on them, and Dempsey, Dempsey was like, I am not showing anyone this. He said, quote, I will never show it to anyone. It was the most, most filthy string of obscenities I have ever read. So we still hmm. don't know what it said. Oh. Huh. Yeah. So fun fact, he was not a serial killer. Albert Fish was definitely not a serial killer. He has three known victims, Francis McDonald, Bill Gaffney, Grace Budd, and then he has five suspected, five possible 
victims that we can't confirm. Um, age ranges of all of these people are ages 17 down to age 4. Mm-hmm. Crimes starting in 1924 going till 1932. So not a serial killer, but fucking awful. Yeah. What a maniac. And that is Albert Fish. Wow. What a gross guy. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm finding it hard to believe that somebody like that actually existed, but he did. I know. Like he did some of the worst things you could ever think of to himself and yeah. to other people. Yeah. Yeah. God. What a weirdo. Well, I say the least. I we saved the worst for last. <laughs> Almost last. I saved my worst for last. Next week on the season and series finale of Perfect Stranglers, we have a treat for you. Going out with a bang. And uh, Bree's going to be covering that one. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited to sit back and listen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be I'm a long one. It. I'm excited about it. All right, kids. You know where to find us on the social media or email us contact at perfect stranglers if you'd like to still send us stories if you want we'll still read them we still want to know what you have to say if you're listening to this like three years later and you're like oh my god i wish they were still up and running still send us an email because like that emails addresses don't die yeah we still want to know yeah we'll want to know all Mm -hmm. right kids thank you so much for listening and we will check you next thursday bye everyone (laughs) 